Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to This Week in WordPress and SaaS. This is episode 896. We really do have a really special guest. We've got the boss in the house, uh, <laughs> and he's in holiday mode. He's... He's only got a few hours and then freedom, freedom for three months he has. We have the pleasure of having Matt Malweg with us, the found, the co-founder of WordPress and the CEO of Automatic. So, Matt, would you like to give us a quick 10, 20-second intro about you? Um, that would be fantastic, Matt. Oh, it's so hard, but I am a boy from Houston, Texas. Uh, who loves music, uh, who loves community and sharing and building things together. Uh, Through my participation and like volunteering and everything that led me to sort of discovering open source Um, and, you know, running events in Houston, Texas. And that got me involved in online communities, you know, like IRC, news groups, everything. As like, again, a kid in Houston coming from very, very little, very modest backgrounds. But I had a computer and I had an internet connection. And that was my gateway to the world. And um, what's plugged in, once plugged into the world, uh, I just kind of lit up. <laughs> And it was so exciting to be able to connect with people with shared ideas and philosophies around the world. And one of those people I connected with as a 19-year-old kid, you know, with no computer science background, training, or anything like that, was Mike Little. And uh, we he left a comment on my blog. We had both been kind of contributing to the open source project B2. He left a comment on my blog and... Uh, we went on to create what would become WordPress. And it was um, it was very much just that that like uh, optimism and that hope of like creation. Like, what what can we do? <laughs> well, it's been an amazing ride, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's also very much the I, you know, I have that that blog post, uh, the power of one, you know. That when I posted I did this blog post where I said, hey, like, you know, because at the time there's lots of different blogging software. There was um, Moodle type, which was kind of the dominant one. There was Blogger, which had been bought by Google. And so Google owned Blogger. There was one called Text Pattern by this amazing designer, photographer, man named Dean Allen that was beautiful. If Text Pattern had been open source, I would have never created WordPress. But I had been sort of radicalized by these open source ideas like hey this code needs to belong to all of us you need to be able to modify it you need to have these rights attached to it so the philosophy of open source has really like gone into my brain as a teenager and um and so that's what drew me to b2 uh which was created by michelle for valdretti it was um different from the other software um it wasn't as good it didn't have all the functionality but it was in PHP, which was the language I liked, and it was uh, open source. It had these rights attached to it, the four freedoms. 
the freedom to use the software for any purpose, the freedom to you know, see how the software works, the freedom to modify it, and the freedom to redistribute those modifications. So those four freedoms like were embedded in the software. And I was like, that's what I want to be a part of. So yeah. that's what I started packing around on. And Mike did too. Well, that, some of those things we're going to discuss in this interview. I've got my co-host, Kurt. Kurt, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure thing, Jonathan. Uh, my name is Kurt Von Onen. I own a small agency called Manana Nomas. We focus largely on membership and learning websites, and I work directly with Lifter LMS and WP Tonic. That's great. And before we go into this great interview, I've got a couple messages from our major sponsors. We will be back in a few moments, folks. Tired of hosting providers that can't handle high traffic loads? Convesio is here to help. Our platform can handle any amount of traffic, all without slowdown or crashing. With immediate Slack support, performance optimization, and a team that thrives on resolving technical challenges, your e-commerce business is in safe hands. Learn more about Convesio at Convesio.com. Are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging? Sensei LMS by Automatic is the original WordPress solution for creating and selling online courses. Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example, interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today. We're coming back, folks. I also just want to point out we got some great special deals from the sponsors, plus a curated list of the best WordPress plugins, services, everything you could want if you're a WordPress professional. What more could you ask for? Probably a lot more, but that's all you're going to get from that page. And you can get that by going over to wp-tonic.com slash deals, wp-tonic.com slash deals, and just feast. Feast. You're going to get in the sponsors later because I don't know what the sponsors were. I want to know what they were. Well, <laughs> we put some video adverts. They had some audio adverts as well, Matt. So, oh, well, I, listen, I when you're on your bright sponsors, like, yeah. they like the sponsors, what, right? Yeah. The sponsors? I don't know. But, it's, much about, it's much about nothing, Matt. I would be, <laughs> I would, would worry much. Uh, you got bigger things to worry about, Matt. Getting through this interview might be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's start off, Matt. So we're um, we're on the fifth year of the Gutenberg project, obviously. Um, A little further, actually, Gutenberg. I think we're on like the seventh year, right? Oh dear! All right, very done. All right, uh, uh, I, I Gutenberg was going to be a ten-year project, and I think we're about seventy percent of the way through. Mm. Right. Um, I would say that um, you had to phrase this. I, I think it's it's taken, um, but obviously you just you've just answered it because you said it would t- be a ten year project. Um, I think that's much too slow myself. Um, um, but I think you've also been a bit frustrated in periods of this of this journey. Um, I, I think it's slow. I think from the very beginning, we knew this was going to be really, really big work. 
Because what mm-hmm. we're creating is we're kind of looking at all websites, all content management, everything out there. And we're trying to create abstractions. We're trying to create primitives that could be reused. These Gutenberg blocks. So now I can look at any website across the entire internet. And I can squint. And I can know like, oh, these are some Gutenberg blocks that could create that. And that could be open source. So that is why it was going to take 10 years. And we were just trying to be realistic when we started that like, hey, this is a really big engineering project that is um, it's going to take a while. And we that's why we had the four phases of Gutenberg. You know, around the first we focused on just like the editor, then, you know, moving to be able to change everything. Third is uh, collaboration. And then fourth will be, you know, taking it into localization. Obviously, obviously you must take into consideration what you've just outlined because it's quite easy for myself or for people to be critical, but I try and balance it with the factors that you just outlined, that you're refactoring a massive, you know, driving almost 40 to 45, maybe 45% of all websites on the internet. You know, it's an enormous task. Well, what I want to give is every single person, I want to give them the tools to be able to, I want like any kid in the street, any kid in Houston that's 19-year-olds today, I want to be able to look at a website and say, I can build that, right? Before, you would have to hire a developer or learn something. But like with WordPress, what we're doing is we're democratizing publishing. We're putting the means of production in the hands of the people. So we're allowing them to say like, hey, if I learn Gutenberg or WordPress, I can build a site that looks just like that because I understand these fundamental primitives, these building blocks, these basic concepts that can then build up into a cool, you know, patterns, right? If I look at the patterns of, of different uh, design and direction and flow. Yeah, but the fact is, Matt, is that I, I do see all the power <clears throat> and I agree with your decision that um, that something, this pathway needed to be done. Uh, I understand your thoughts to some extent and why you chose this and your team, because it just wasn't. Um, but as you know, kind of internet years are like cat years. Um, uh, um, you know, we don't even know what's going to happen two years in future, you know, uh, unless you were in in the kind of small community of artificial intelligence, we, we wouldn't even realise until about at least a year ago what was going to happen with AI. So, um, so it's just, my, my main concern about where we are is that a year ago, I think the past 18 months, we've seen enormous progress with Gutenberg, I would say, because I just sense until about a year, 18 months ago, I just felt it was a little bit lost, to be frank with you, Matt. I just felt it was a project that was, I had great concerns. My concerns have diminished. Um, but there's there's a problem with my stance. That's okay. I have great concerns about Gutenberg too. I'm sure you do, but it, there's a... There's a dec- I'm, I'm the world's unhappiest WordPress user. I can tell you exactly what I want to fix. <laughs> yeah. 
But there's a, Ducard, there's a problem with my stance because I was saying it's not going so fast. But then when it came to full-site editing, um, I've, I have adopted Gutenberg, but I've used the lies cadence WP as my way into Gutenberg, and we now use it on a few of our clients' websites and projects now, and we've been very happy with it so far. But um, full-site editing... And part of why it takes us longer to do this is that, I mean, obviously, I mean, there were page builders and other things five, six, seven years ago. Um, But they didn't create very clean code. They were not high-performance They were not accessible, you know, so to build things in a way that is hold our standards for performance, accessibility, everything, composability, uh, future compatibility, um, API access, everything, it it takes, takes longer. So that's why, you know, why we had this 10 year roadmap for Gutenberg was part of what happened is we had a Tower of Babel problem. Folks had created page building solutions. Obviously, people wanted this. People wanted this to exist. So there were 15, 20 different page builders out there. And, and themes that started to also solve these problems for their customers, right? Like Divi and Nevada and others has like really gone in and like created essentially page builders to solve the solution for their customers. Um, which is great. Like they were providing a they were solving a problem for their customers. However, it's very bad for the platform and the ecosystem because now if I'm writing a plugin for WordPress, because they all have their own, they didn't build it in an open source way. They didn't like think of the data models. They didn't think of the abstractions. They didn't think of how to factor it out to be, to work and scale for 42% of the web. They now had to like build an integration. So if you've talked to like, you know, developers like Yoast or something building SEO plugin, all of a sudden, their code base becomes, you know, so much more complex because now they have to build an integration for Elementor and an integration for Divi and an integration for all these sorts of things. And so that's why I said to all the block builders out there, like, hey, please, we're going to do this in Gutenberg. Please orient your roadmaps to be built on top of Gutenberg so that all the add-ons to WordPress, everything that integrates with WordPress, everything that understands our data models can write things once and then it'll work for all the sites, regardless of whether you're using Cadence or, you know, uh, you know, all, all the other things that build on top. So today we now have a number of things that are built on top of Gutenberg. And from an evolutionary point of view, like I think a lot of software as a phylogenetic tree. A phylogenetic tree is if you ever seen those, um, that like when species mutate and they evolve and some are more fit in the market and some survive and some don't. Um, so in the market, I think that things which uh, are most compatible with the core and can interoperate and can work with all the different plugins, that will be most fit in the market and that will survive. Uh, you might be able to solve your problem. You can build a site using some you know, random theme or plugin. You can create a site that looks fine. But if that code base is not part of this core, it will not be really compatible with what the future of WordPress and software is. And so eventually the branch you're on will die off. So that's why I'm encouraging people to really build. Yeah, no. So thanks for that, Matt. Over to you, Kurt. Well, I just kind of wanted to almost follow up 
with that, Matt, because my experience as a user in an agency is um, similar to what Jonathan said when Gutenberg first came out. It did kind of feel like a boat anchor. It was hard to adapt. But um, I got to say, 6.2 came out and it was like a breath of fresh air. And then full site editing, I got involved with the SkyPilot theme at Lifter and it just, it works really, really well. And so I used to be Elementor dependent and now I find myself working with full site editing and Cadence Blocks and Astra, Spectra stuff. And from that user experience, that difference crossing over to 6263, when you mentioned collaboration and stuff like that, as a user, can we look forward to those types of leaps with those new phases and stages or will they be more subtle? There's some pretty dramatic stuff coming in the next year, actually. So first, I want to say thank you for sticking with us. I mean, we're open source. That means we're building this in public. Squarespace, you know, ships new versions. They're, I forget which version they're on, but the, when they go from V6 to V7, they're working on it privately in their company for years sometimes. And then they come out one day and they do a big launch and they say, here it is. You're seeing sausage being made. <laughs> You're seeing Gutenberg in its state where it wasn't very good, where it didn't do very much, where it had lots of bugs. And it gets better and better and better every single day, every single release, relentlessly. We are dedicated to this. I plan to spend the rest of my life building open source CMSs. I want to democratize publishing, commerce, and messaging. Those are my missions in life. Um, and I want to create... So, but you're going to see all the along the way when it's not as good. And it's funny if you like look at old versions of WordPress, like I'm kind of embarrassed, you know, like, oh my goodness, why did anyone use this? It was so terrible. Um, but I mean, that's also where we have to balance. We have to like solve people's um, needs today while also like building towards this like ideal version in the future. And Jonathan, to your point, like, you know, when Gutenberg was announced, first sort of demoed or whatever, 2014, 2013. Um, the kind of comes as a blocks and these abstractions we're going to do. Like we were also trying to make WordPress relevant to the market. And in fact, mm. in that time frame, our market share gains have been multiples of the entire market share of Drupal, Squarespace, and Shopify in terms of the number of websites that they us. So we've grown like five Shopify's <laughs> in the time since Gutenberg was announced. So we are also like, like judge us by our results. We are also yeah. creating right. things that people adopt. Yeah, that was a great I point. I, I think that, yeah, I, I, I will think about that point. That's, and Shopify is a hundreds of billions of dollar company with like six or 7,000 engineers full-time working on proprietary software. Like that's what we're competing against. But that is the power of community. That is the power of open source. Like we're able to. It's like um, also David and Goliath, right? Like we're able to like uh, well, that that is ma match and create better things. And these uh, competitors with far more resources, far more money than us, far more everything. Well, that because we're the, doing it with love. We're doing it with um, and with high ideals, with high principles around performance, security, accessibility, everything. Like we're building this in a way. That is very uh, high integrity. Well, we get attached for accessibility in Gutenberg. Go try the accessibility of the page builders in Squarespace or Wix. They are not accessible at all. So, you know what? Uh, sometimes when we get atta attacked for accessibility, 
But I love that we are being held to a high standard because that's what we should aspire to. Right, fair enough. So um, another question, you know, it's come up. I had an interview and you had some um, back and forth with um, Kevin Gary on Twitter and, um, oh, he's running away. <laughs> no, you had enough of that, you're right. You had a, uh, you had a, uh, on on X, formerly known as Twitter, you had a bit of um, discussion with Kevin Carey. And when it comes to Gutenberg, can Gutenberg, as, as the phrase that you really love, democratize publishing, i.e. be a, a DIY tool, can it also be a factory solution for a WordPress professional agency because um, I wouldn't say I agree with everything Kevin has said, but the problem with Gutenberg is it, it's not um, class-based. You know, he got a lot, and in some ways um, he got a lot of, comments and style remarks, but the actual logic of his statement I agreed with um, is that it's not class-based, you know. you and One space? Class. Uh, you, know, you, class? you know, class. You know, you use classes for different elements uh, in CSS. Okay. Um, do you think it can be both? Can it be um, Gutenberg be a kind of... This, democratizing, as you you, as you say, and also be a true professional tool. Mm, so there's a few things in there. So one, you were talking about the technical details of how Gutenberg's data model uses CSS classes and things like that. I welcome like really hearty debate on all of those things because the semantics of what we're doing is um, is really, really important. So, you know, get on track, get on the issues. Like, let's like, let's like nerd out on exactly what we should call the thing. And you know why we spend so much time on that? It's because um, we have to support it for decades to come. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that you can take a theme written for WordPress like 1.0 20 years ago and it runs on WordPress today? We're really committed to backwards compatibility. So when we introduce something, we are saying we're going to support it. Our, our commitment to our users is that this is going to keep working forever, basically, you know, or migration path or might, technologies might change over the decades. But like, like we have a very, very serious, what, if you look at why WordPress has been more successful versus some competitors, our commitment to backwards compatibility is one of those reasons. But it sucks as an engineer, right? Like, because then you have yeah. to, you know, there's things that drive me crazy about WordPress's database model. Like, why is ID capitalized in the database? Oh, because B2 did it. <laughs> but it should be lowercase. It's like, oh, I wish I could change that. In fact, we we probably should change that at this point. We can migrate the database. But like, there was a point when that would have broken some plugins and that wasn't worth it. Um, so, uh, and then your question, I think, so that was a data model. And then I think your question was, can Gutenberg be used for professional stuff? Well, you know, there's a decopper to you, isn't it? You know, can it be, can it be a, a, a Wix 
ways are really easy use DIY product, but also fulfill the needs of WordPress professionals like Kevin Gary. And, you know, because his position is that we're, I said five years, but now seven years, as you pointed out to me, and he's done some videos and he got a lot of positive and also negative feedback. Um, he just he just tried to do a really intermediate, basic layout in Gutenberg and you couldn't do it. Um, and I see that as a problem, Matt. Um, but I don't know if you do. I don't know if you do. You know, you might say. Absolutely. That, yeah, yeah I, I want, this is a tool. I want people to be able to build whatever their heart can imagine. And so we have a lot to do around education, teaching people to use this tool. It's kind of like when you first opened up Photoshop for the first time, like all those buttons, everything, like you had no idea how to use it. So we need to teach people how to use um, Gutenberg. And actually what's cool about this, Gutenberg is bigger than just WordPress. You know, Drupal is exploring adopting Gutenberg. You know, so like when people learn the Gutenberg primitives, it might work even for other CMSs or other places on the web, which is so beautiful. I hope that these interactions and these sort of uh, ways of working with things become the standard for literally all like interaction with computers. Um, that's why you notice, what did we do with Gutenberg that we did not do with WordPress? With the license? Well, um, I don't actually know. You're going to have to tell me. Uh, that. I'll, I'll tell you. All my life, I have only produced GPL software because I am like an open source hippie. I'm a radical. If you take my code, I want you to have to also, you know, your code should also be open source, right? If you build on top of it. That's what the GPL does. It's a viral license. Copy left, right? Um, with Gutenberg, for the first time in my life, I have devoted thousands of person years of effort, millions of dollars of, of development effort. And we created a do license. So I made it available under the... Uh, I think we use the MPL, the Mozilla Public License, or one of those others. One. It might be maybe that is more permissive, which says you can take this open source code and build something proprietary with it. Why did we do that? Why did me, the open source radical, I'm like left of Richard Stallman, for the first time, create some software that um, can be embedded in a proprietary thing? It's because I want these primitives, these things we're creating, to be accessible. Because part of Part of the challenge isn't just getting the code being used. It's teaching people the affordances of the interface. Well, well I don't think... First time I, that you I don't, swipe to unlock, you didn't know what to do, right? But Apple taught us all, like, here's what you do. Yeah, but I don't think that, in all fairness, Matt, I don't think that is the problem. The problem is when you get somebody like Kevin Gary, who is an experienced front-end developer, and when he's trying to do an intermediate level layout and he utilizes native Gutenberg without any add-on plugins. He wasn't he, able to do it, right? He oh, can't so do it. I, I see that okay, as the major problem. To it's totally. So one, it, is it possible? Yes or no? Yes, of course it's possible. Did he know? I guess not. So what we have to look there is like look to, we have to look to the top agencies, WordPress agencies in the world, the 10-ups, the human maids, etc. Um, I'm missing some names, but like they built whitehouse.gov with Gutenberg. This is one of the top yeah. websites in the world. Like it's beautiful. 
it works really well. It has vertical you know, text you can edit it in real time. That's so cool. I love what like Jamie at Poodle Press is doing where he says, I'm going to take techcrunch.com and rebuild it in 30 minutes using Gutenberg. Like that's the type of thing we need to get out there. One of my dreams is that, you know, we have this WordPress showcase, right? And everyone's all like, why do you make this showcase so prominent? It's because a lot of times when people come to me, they say, well, WordPress can't do this. WordPress can't do that. And I'm like, what about this? <laughs> you know, whitehouse.com. You know, I thought absolutely. Everything like that. I saw the top websites in the world. Now, what I want to do as well is on every showcase entry, I would love to say, like, have an x-ray, essentially, like, here's how they built it. So what if every showcase entry could have a tutorial next to it? So here's whitehouse.gov. So, so, White so, so it's built on WordPress. So, so, so you could recreate it using Gutenberg in 30 minutes. That video yeah. would be so cool. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to lifterlms.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code PODCAST20. That's podcast two zero. Enjoy the rest of your show. So to recap, what I think you're saying is that you don't feel what people like Kevin and other individuals, you think that they they are mistaken to some degree. No, 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 no. I think, again, it's all our fault. We did not provide the proper education. We did not provide the proper tutorials or um, ways for him to learn. So... It is true that he did not know how to use Gutenberg to create the site that he he wanted to create. It's possible. It's true. Someone else could do it. But we need to do a better job showing him and learn. And right. So that is I, goes I, to I the could, WordPress community. I could come back to you on that, but I think you know you you'll push for time. This could go on forever. So, well, I, I, I would challenge you as well. Like, bring me a website that you say can't be created with Gutenberg, and let's just do it. Oh, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. It's not quite as easy as that. It depends on how they are being made, Matt. So, no, literally, I'd... bring me any website in the world and give it to me, and I will have someone create it using Gutenberg, and we'll make a video of it, and you can see exactly how it was done. Right. And I think we've built the tool that can do that. Right. Fair enough. Over to you, Kurt, for the next question. Oh, and I and I get the question. So, um. You should know, Matt, up front, I started in WordPress in 2004, but I didn't even embrace community until the last handful of years. Like, I, w- mm. I was one of those dudes that worked in it, but didn't know the community. And furthermore, um, never really understood open source, especially with the passion that you've expressed today. So this question kind of speaks like to a guy like me that doesn't see open source maybe as as tangible as you do. So... Um, recently we also like open AI, it kind of like semi imploded, right? They got rid of the person. They did this, they did, there's all this, all this turmoil. And it seemed to stem from the stress of like capitalism versus open source. Right. And then you see as something, at least I see as something as a, as a happy capitalist, like you see how when something grows and it becomes profitable or it becomes, um, 
productive in that way, it seems like it just conflicts with the idea of open source. And of course, WordPress is kind of on that same tier. What kind of alignment or similarity do you see between the WordPress environment versus OpenAI? And, and how, do we, how do we keep that community thing healthy instead of competing with capital? Yeah, that's a, that's a very nuanced and interesting philosophical question. So I'll try to explain this from my point of view, that in fact, open source is one of the greatest enablers of capitalism ever. So let, let's go just from code and more to like the idea of intellectual property and, and property rights, you know? So property rights at the core of capitalism, right? You should have, what's the, what's, what's a, a fundamental uh, innovation of capitalism and democracy? It's the idea, like back in the old days, like everything belonged to the king, right? You just would have like, you were a serf. <laughs> you didn't actually have ownership of it. And one of the things we innovated on as society is that you could actually own things yourself. Um, now that said, um, so much innovation comes from the idea of the commons. And part of what we've navigated as society is if something new is invented, should that, should that inventor be able to hold on to that invention forever and keep it to themselves? Or at some point, does it move into the commons, in which case everyone can use it? This is the idea of patents and copyright, right? As a fundamental looking at how long do you get an exclusive use, exclusive right to your invention, your creation? We are at actually a, such an interesting time for this because if you know, on January 1st, 2024, the earliest versions of Mickey Mouse went into the public domain. What is public domain? That means that anyone can build on top of it. I, this is so poetic as well. Because if you look at what Disney did, like, what did Disney create? They took public domain stories, stories that were the creations of others, the Brothers Grimm and others. They took those stories and they built cartoons and stuff on top of them and they sold them. If those had been proprietary, they couldn't have done that. They, that intellectual property had to be part of the commons for them to be yeah. built on top of it. And so it is so powerful that more things are going into the commons because then other people can take it, remix it, do new things with it. Just yesterday, like there's this new game. Have you seen this? It's called um, Power World. Have you heard about this? I have good, to I have good times for that. I'm just struggling to make a living, mate. So, uh, oh, so there's this new game called Power World. It just has sold 8 million copies. And basically what it is, someone took Pokemon and gave them guns. It's a new video game created with AI. Because as the creator put it, Americans like guns. It's the funniest thing. But they essentially took Pokemon IP, something that people loved, and then remixed it and have created this hit game, the biggest new game in years. Um, that is the power of remixing. And when you think of in music, in all creative arts, like, and for example, music and jazz, I can copyright and restrict a particular melody, mm -hmm. but I can't copyright the chord changes. So in jazz, there's this thing called rhythm changes. It's a set of chords that actually come from the musical, the, uh, the song, I Got Rhythm. I got rhythm, I got music. Da, 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 da. That chord changes is the basis of hundreds of other jazz songs built on top of those really cool chord changes that some, at one point someone invented. Um, now, 
that I can't take their exact melody without licensing in a certain way, but I can take the core changes and build on top of it. Now, the radical idea of open source is now it turns, right? It takes copyright to copy left. What does that mean? So it takes these property rights. So my creations, um, the intellectual property I create, I have a right to say how people can use it or not. And it turns it on its head. So what I do with the sacred intellectual property right of my creations, the code I have written, the ideas I have come up with, I now put those into the confidence. And with the license I usually use, GPL, I put them into the commons in a way that says, hey, you can remix this, you can build on this, but whatever you do, put that back into the commons too so other people can build on top of it. And that is the radical idea that it is accelerating progress. So when that stuff is in the commons, that's things move so much faster. If you look at where we are stagnant as a society in medical research and science and everything, it's generally because there's not enough sharing. When we share ideas, yeah, I, that's when things move faster. I, I but the thing is that um, what, what has happened with OpenAI, and um, I listened to Professor Galloway in his podcast, and he pointed this out. Is isn't there me and Professor Galloway? I was on the Pivot podcast. Actually. Yeah, but um, isn't there a, a really total contradiction here, Matt? And the contradiction also applies to automatic and the WordPress Foundation as well, is that you, through Automatic, over six rounds, have taken, I think, slightly below $900 million of investment. And you have taken, you have taken, <laughs> you have taken investments from some of the biggest sharks of Silicon Valley, and they want a return on their investment back. Um, they, um, and then you've got the WordPress org association, which is our open source, um, foundation. And we've seen this with open AI, you know, capitalist enterprises are like a shark. They, they're only, they only have two purposes to take capital and utilize that capital the most efficiently and to produce money for their founders and their investors, where open source and a, a foundation is a totally different concept. And what you're seeing with open source, and I must say, you also see it with the relationship between automatic and wordpress.org, is that you get a bit of a mess, basically. What... what what would be your response to what I've just said, Matt? Well, you just introduced a number of interesting things. Like you introduced um, Milton Friedman's concept from the 70s of that the only fiduciary responsibility of a shareholder is to maximize returns to the shareholders. Um, yeah, I've studied economics deeply. I actually have met Milton Friedman. Google Mullenweg and Friedman. There's a picture of me and Milton Friedman. Um, so these theories, I think, are interesting. What I have tried to introduce into the world, both through my actions and WordPress and everything else, is an idea of what I will call conscious capitalism. So that through using things like open source licensing, putting things into the commons, it is possible to do well while doing good. So Automatic has created a very substantial business. 
that is making hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and providing great returns to its investors. The most sophisticated investors in the world are banging down the door trying to get access to our stock. While we have also created this comments, this WordPress thing that now powers 42% of the web and contribute, I, I shouldn't say created, we have contributed to this thing. Now, I know I'm doing something right when all the capitalists in the world say, Matt, you're an open source hippie, you're never going to make any money. And all the open source hippies are like, Matt, you're a raging capitalist. You're just going to make money. You're going to like optimize things and you don't really care about the people. They're like, when both sides are attacking me, that probably means I'm doing something right. And yeah. I think if you look at the results, like Automatic has created an amazing business, one of the best businesses in the world. Um, as a private company, it's been valued in the upper echelons. And as you've mentioned, I have raised capital of you know, over $900 million. There's very few entrepreneurs in the world who could say they have done that. Yeah, but the public amazing, right? At the same time, I spend all my, we have created this open source movement, which provides a living and employment to millions of people. Hundreds of thousands of professionals, tens of thousands of companies out there are building on top of WordPress. So all of this, you know, intellectual property, all these things we created did not accrue to just one company. We've created an ecosystem. And what's challenging about this is we're not seen as a tech giant. Because if you look at like um, a Google or Facebook, when they create their intellectual property, when they create something cool, all the money goes back to them. I estimate the WordPress ecosystem to be between 10 to $15 billion of turnover per year. But it's spread across thousands of companies. Automatic is a small percentage of that, probably four or five percent, you know. Um, the rest is everywhere else. So we don't show up on like a single Forbes list or, you know, we're like the dark matter of the web. But WordPress's contribution to the economy, to capitalism, is huge. Think of the economic enablement. You can't I, 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 I take I take everything you've just said in in, because basically I'll give you slack. And what I mean by that, no, I've been, I've been totally frank with you, Matt, is that I, I find this situation and your, in this, your response to my question is consistent with other interviews that you've had. It's been the same response. And I've got to be honest, I find it infuriating. But I, I also, I also, I also give you slack. Because I think you're a very honest individual and you've done a lot of good and you've contributed an enormous amount. And I think some of the criticism that you get is very unfair. But I also think that you won't accept the fundamental contradiction of having a for-profit company that's got $900 million investment and at the beginning of this interview, you're saying, well, we haven't got the resources in the open source to push Gutenberg forward. It, it doesn't, it, I find it, I totally find it. Forward. Wait, wait, stop. I did not say that. We have pushed Gutenberg forward fantastically. You said it's taking too long, but I said it was going to take 10 years. So, like, I'm sorry that you think we should go faster. I wish we could. Well, I tell you, actually, I think, I think 10 years is, uh, is much too long. I'm sorry. I, I, by the way, I wish it could go faster as well, but it just, I'm trying to be realistic with the reality of building really complex hard software. Sometimes these things take time. Um, Rome was not built in a day. Nine women cannot have a baby in one month. Like you can't add more people to these problems. And no, I, I, I think that is, 
I think you're making a really strong point there because people say you just throw more people in, but in a software, if you get to a certain size, it it doesn't help. It actually it's a great works. Called the mythical man month that talks about this. Like you put more people on a project, it goes slower, not faster. Sometimes. Yeah. What you need to do is you need to get the right talent, the right people with the intelligence, the design, the everything, the right teams in place. Then it moves faster, but just just throw more resources at the problem. You know, doesn't work. And you could see that. Like there are, if um, if just money was the issue or resources were the issue, like why don't the companies with far more money have better software? You know, there. Yeah, <laughs> look at yeah. look at big enterprise companies that do make way more <laughs> than Automatic does, and they make really crappy software. <laughs> right? Unfortunately, I, I use it on a regular basis, like yourself. What are some of these? Like a black black bald or whatever the education things are. Like some of these LMSs, they're terrible. Oh my goodness, they make so much money. It's not money is the issue. It's about good design, good teams, good principles. Look, Matt, we're we're up to the, uh, you know, have you got another five minutes or do you have to be off now? Because uh, I was told that we're up to 8.50 and you needed to be... You know, let me, let me look at the clock real quick. Um, okay, I can do five minutes. And sure. by the way, I'm happy to come back on again. I really enjoy and I want to debate... Um, my harshest critics. I want to discuss with the people who I infuriate because hopefully we can come to a shared... I wouldn't take it too personally. I infuriate a lot of people in the WordPress. Um, I don't want to upset people, but I'm not I'm not just going to agree just for the sake of agreeing. And I'm, I, I actually support you and what you're doing. I just want an honest discussion, but I... Um, I actually think you're a very sincere person. You're you're more you're one of the more interesting people in tech. Um, you, you've you've got your bubbles. Like I see you late at night with a you've had a rough day trying to get oh, yeah. things, and you wait, wait, I see you I see you I see you with your Jack Daniels bottle and your glass, <laughs> and you're on Twitter. You get onto Twitter, and you you just can't resist commenting. And in some ways, I love it that you do get on Twitter and comment because at least it shows that you're a human being. But I have this vision late at night. You've got your whiskey bottle with your... your, um, It's not... It's usually not whiskey, but like... I mean, yes. Like the time I I blew up that huge fight with GoDaddy, which was dumb. I had COVID. (laughs) I had a fever. I was literally operating at like lower... So, yes, I need to be better about, like, not engaging in those times. But please do not also. Um, I am also making good faith arguments. And so that's why sometimes people say, like, hey, you're you're saying this. They're like, are you drunk or whatever? I'm like, no, I am. I have, this is a sound mind. This is, like, actually an argument. So please right, I, I on to- hold everything to a high standard that I say. Don't right, this, assume this, it's late at night or whatever. Yeah, this combined to... Two of my last questions together, which I can do very easy as Kurt has seen being my co-host. Um, you know, a few years ago, um, you made a statement that got my hackles really up a little bit, to be quite truthful about it, that you were okay being a benevolent dictator. Uh, um, and I thought, this is totally... How can you make a statement like that, Matt? And also, at the same time, seeing the praises of open source 
and democratising publishing. They just seem, I thought, this is a total contradiction. Now, um, I think one of the problems with the WordPress project is that there's too much overlap and it's not clear what belongs to automatic and your being it's a private company and what really is in the control of WordPress is the boring subject of governance, which yeah. I um to say is tedious is would be under would be at the understatement, but it is important. It's and, so important. But this is something that you seem to be totally resistant to clearing up and really doing something about it, Matt. And what would you be, what's your response to what I've just outlined? Because there, there seems to be total resistance about clearing this up in a constructive way, Matt. Okay, so in the three minutes we have remaining, I will try to solve the problem of just governments of society, which literally we have been debating for thousands of years. So I will return to the works of Plato, actually. And answering this question. It's a good it's a good place to that's what I read as well. Well, because this has been studied and debated for thousands of years. And what have we learned? So Plato talked about, you know, one democratizing. I'm not saying I want WordPress to be a democracy. I'm saying I want to democratize as a verb. And so what does that mean? So to me, that means giving people freedom, liberty, autonomy to do whatever they like with the software. Now that does not mean the software itself is built in a way where everyone has equal say. It is not, we don't vote on every line code change and how WordPress is. So how are these things, you know, to go back to Plato, he said a democracy is a way to run a just society, but it was not the highest ideal way. What he said the most ideal way to run a society was to have a philosopher king, right? But he said the problem with the <laughs> philosopher king is that, let me finish, let me finish. Is that power corrupts? And in something like a country, um, it is hard for people to, like, let's say you had an unjust philosopher king. You disagree with the direction. You now have to physically pick up all of your job, your family, and move to a different place because it was geographically bounded in the world of atoms and physicality. Like, I don't think that philosopher kings or dictators is, is right in that sort of society. However, in technology in the space of software and ideas in the internet. Um, open source enables a number of things. One, you could have bloodless revolutions and coups. So anyone, you today, could fork WordPress, take the entire code base, everything we have created over the past 20 years, and make Jonathan Press, you know? You have access to everything we have done, and you can make your own version of it at any day. That's part of the rights. You have that inalienable right. So that sort of that holds power to account. So at any point, the WordPress community, like, yes, I am in charge, the philosopher king, the dictator, whatever you want to call it. That is, I can see why that would get your hackles up, I think you said. Yes. I also believe that for building great products, you need, nothing great is built by committee. You know, like you, you no. actually need strong points of view. And clear line. Can I? Because I know you're. I need to respond quickly to the two things. 
I think I've listened to all your interviews and you've utilised this argument consistently because it's open source and Jonathan could take it. I've got to be honest, your response, what you have stated is factually true, but being that you're much smarter than me, Matt, uh, um, you know that that is slightly iffy. Um, because well, you the, also have to bring over all the people building WordPress. So, so you know, you want all of you I don't, I, as Jonathan <laughs> so. WordPress, wouldn't have all the resources of $900 million and what that brings, man. But you so also, that's, free society, you could raise money. You could, you could get people no, to follow you. So, like, I'm not that, as bright as you. I'm like, not as bright as you, Matt. So, nobody's going to get me. It is like part of my position is because through the things I say, the ideas I put out, I put out a philosophy, a secular religion, if you will, that people say, I want to follow that. I want to sign, I want to be a part of that. And you know what? If tomorrow I woke up with like double horns and became evil, those rational people with free choice who can leave at any time. Yeah, I, I know. We, I also want to get onto the second point. But I, we, I now uh, super have to run because I have a meeting starting. You know, I have like, again, 158 hours now for my sabbatical start. So I have a lot of things to do. All right, Matt. You, thank you so much for coming on this show and uh, answering some difficult questions. And hopefully you will come back. I've really enjoyed the discussion. I, I would love to come back. Please invite me back and let's continue this. So thank you so much for bringing this debate, these discussions to the WordPress community. I really appreciate what you do. And I want to say one thing. I, I, want to say, I would worry about far more. I want to say one thing is there's not many people in tech that would come on this type of podcast and be prepared to have this type of debate. So I'll give you total credence, you know, credos about being prepared to have this type of discussion because there's not many of that would do it, Matt. So, and I think a lot of people don't give you enough credit yeah, for being prepared. on this podcast. So, like, but I will come back as many times as you want because I want to engage with the WordPress community. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, we're going to wrap it up now, folks. Um, hopefully you'll come back next week where we will have another fantastic guest and another fantastic discussion. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group? And also to keep up with the latest news, click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.